Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. Today we're going to talk about peace. We're continuing this little bit of series we've been doing on the armor of God from Ephesians chapter 6. And if we have the Ephesians 6 verse, I'm not sure if we got it up um, this week or not. But in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read to you from verse 10. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So last week we brought up, actually a couple of weeks ago, we sort of began this series without actually beginning the series and naming it a series because I just didn't preach everything I had. So I figured, oh, series, which means I'd (laughs) talk too long on one point and then it became a three-week series. If you're ever wondering how series begins, that's how that works. But uh, we talked about, in in Ephesians chapter 4, it refers to a different kind of scheming. And those are man's schemes. How many of you know sometimes the world is full of schemes? Schemes are things that look great, but ultimately are just trying to sell you something. They're trying to get you to do something other than what you should be doing. Ephesians chapter 4 talks about man's schemes. And God doesn't want us to follow a scheme. God wants us to follow Him, right? And the defense against man's schemes, being disillusioned, being uh, 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 hoodwinked, following along something you're not supposed to, it's called the fivefold ministry. That's not a biblical term, but it's a theological term that means apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors. Those are gifts from Jesus to the church to keep us from being deceived by mankind. Part of what you experienced here today was some of the uh, people that were operating in the gift of prophecy, one of those fivefold ministries. Prophecy can help you keep from getting distracted. It can keep you from pursuing things that God doesn't want you to pursue. It's one of the weapons to defeat man's schemes. But here, in Ephesians chapter 6, we're talking about the devil's schemes. Sometimes man's schemes are a little bit different to the devil's schemes. And the defense against man's schemes are not just the fivefold ministry, it's the armor of God. Okay? You following me? It is peace, it is righteousness, it is all of these things that we've been going over for the last couple of weeks. And I want to hit on one particular one today. Last week, we talked about two that kind of go hand in hand. We talked about the belt of truth, and we talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit. In other words, the Spirit has a sword. It is the Word of God. Your Bible 
Those, not just the words written on the page, not just the particular really fancy leather cover that you have on yours, but the Bible, the Word of God in you is the sword of the Spirit. We have the Holy Spirit, but the Spirit also has a sword. Don't disarm the Holy Spirit by neglecting the reading and understanding of the Word. Okay? We talked about the belt of truth. Well, how do we discover what truth is? We discover truth through a relationship with the truth, who is Jesus, and by studying the Word of God. So our Bible is the belt of truth, and it is the sword of the Spirit. So that was last week. If you didn't get it, shameless plug for our podcast and YouTube channel, Seashore Church, Message of the Week. I can't even say the word seashore, but that's what it is. Seashore Church. Why did we name the church something that's so hard to say? Seashore Church, Message of the Week. All right. So today, I want to talk to you about peace. Peace. The scripture says, have your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. The readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. If I don't have peace, I'm not ready to fight. I want you to understand that. Because somewhere along the way, I think we get confused and think we have to fight to get peace. But the Bible says it's the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, not fights for the gospel of peace. If I don't have peace, I'm not ready to fight. i got to make sure that I'm not engaging in a spiritual battle without the peace that I need to fit my feet with the readiness that comes from that gospel. Isaiah 55 puts it this way. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. That means when we go out to battle, when we're led forth, we're led forth in joy. Do you know that God sometimes did this weirdest thing I could ever imagine? Now, if I were planning an assault on the enemy, I certainly would send in the Marines first. That would be probably my first choice. I'm going to send in the strongest, baddest dudes I can find And God would send in musicians, worship leaders, go sing and dance. That's how we're going to start. Because you're led forth in joy. I don't know any other place that I can experience the joy of the Lord more than in, in worship. And you will be led forth in peace. Now, I always picture combat, not that I've been in it before, as you're in some room and you're like getting psyched up, we're getting, and you got this nervousness, and you're, but spiritual battles aren't like that. Because God wants you to experience His peace before you go off to battle. I remember, I don't like using basketball illustrations, but I'm going to use one today. And I met my friend Mark here, fellow basketball player, and so maybe that's why God had me do this today. I don't use basketball illustrations because it's my background, and Jesus didn't use parables about carpentry. He used parables about fishing, stuff that people did, not what he did. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because it's what I know, and bear with me. We're not going to do a lot of basketball illustrations, but we will today. Now, there's this thing in basketball called a free throw. Anybody know what a free throw is? It's when you get fouled, and all of a sudden the whole game kind of stops while a guy sits there and either shoots one, two, or sometimes three free throws. And I used to love shooting free throws. I used to practice it all the time. And if the game ever came down to the line, 
and, and somebody was getting fouled, I wanted to be fouled because I wanted to be the person that shot like the clutch free throws, the important free throws. And I'll be honest, it wasn't at home that I liked shooting it. I love shooting free throws on the road. Because when you play basketball on the road, at least at the college level, it is a very unique experience. Because that crowd will find every possible physical flaw on your body and scream it at you and make fun of you the entire time. I've had things said about the way I look. I've had things said about my mom. That was a line you don't cross, by the way. I had things said about all kinds of stuff just to try to get under your skin. And when you go to shoot a free throw, I wish, maybe you've seen it on TV, but behind the basket is where you're shooting on is usually the student section. And particularly when you play at ODU, they were a bit of a ruckus uh, uh, section, probably not as bad as it was at JMU. But they w- it would be some of the most weirdest things you'd ever see behind the basket. In fact, at Duke, when you play at Duke, the whole crowd, this is the worst thing of all. It's not people, everybody going nuts. The whole crowd at one time just goes like this. That's it. It's, it's got to be the weirdest thing ever. I, a whole crowd going like this just looks like one thing. But when the whole crowd just moves like that, you're like trying to get a shot off. So shooting free throws on the road was quite an experience. It is a high-pressure environment. And you've gone from running up and down the court, your heart rate's up, to all of a sudden everything stops, they line up, and it's just you. And you've got to slow your heart rate down. You've got to get into your rhythm. And it's a completely different experience. Let me tell you, it's not the most peaceful environment. And when you're playing in crowds of 20 and sometimes 40 or 30,000 people, they're all screaming at you. It's nuts. Somehow my kids end up playing Little League in the point of view Arrowhead Little League. And parents thought that they were in Cameron Indoor Stadium. And we're yelling at six-year-olds, miss it! I'm like, dude, what are you doing? It wasn't me. It's all right. Sometimes you lose the plot. But I remember having this experience of thinking, this is a pretty odd experience. Because when everybody's screaming and you're running up and down the court, you just kind of go with the flow. But now I've got to calm myself down. I've got to slow my breathing down. And I have to be the exact opposite of the environment that I'm in. And yeah, you've got a little bit of rhythm, and you've got sort of your routine and all that kind of thing, and you try to tell yourself it's just me and that rim right there. But there's 23,000 people screaming at you, calling you names, talking about your mom, showing you posters that you wouldn't want your mom to see the posters um, behind the basket at times. It's a very interesting experience, but I loved it because I knew that I was bringing peace to the situation because regardless of what was happening around me, I knew that inside I could make this shot. I didn't always. I usually did. I didn't always, but I knew that I had an internal peace that everything around me wasn't going to change. Of course, you get nervous at times, but when you've been in that situation enough, you kind of get used to it a little bit. But even the first couple of times, I knew that what was in me was peace because I knew who I was and I knew what I could do, right? So if I was looking to the environment around me to give me peace, I'd have been hopeless. 
because everything around me is screaming. Maybe everything around you is screaming right now. You got to do this. You got to do that. You don't have this yet. You don't have that yet. Sometimes your environment can scream at you. It's insulting you. It's whatever else. And you've got all the, and you're looking to find a different environment so that you can be peaceful. But in the kingdom of God, it doesn't work that way. It's the peace in me that comes out that creates the peace around me. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, part of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Do you realize that you're designed by God to be a peacemaker? Not a peace finder. Not a peace pursuer. But a peacemaker. Do you know one of my favorite sounds in the whole world? It's the silence of an away game when you hit that clutch free throw. I love the crowd at home, but I love hitting clutch free throws on the road and silencing a crowd that was just screaming at me. It's so peaceful. (laughs) It's so peaceful. Mark knows what I'm talking about. This guy shot better than I did. It's so peaceful because all of a sudden, all the haters and all the noise, they got nothing to say. Now, Being at home and having all of your home crowd behind you, that might be great, but there's nothing quite as peaceful as a 23,000 people in a stadium and it's whisper quiet because there's nothing they have to cheer for. All their hopes have been dashed on the rocks. And the only cheers you hear are from your own bench. I'm playing on this a little bit, but it is a pretty sweet feeling. You see, because in a hostile basketball environment, those free throws... I am the peacemaker. I brought peace. And the peace that I brought subdued the crowd. It didn't get them on my side. They still hated me, but they had nothing else to say. When you have a peace that's inside you, and you're just obedient to what God called you to do and wherever you were, wherever you are, when you stay true to who you are, you're not going to always get people to like you, but I promise you, you'll silence the haters. Sometimes the noise is still there, but you just stop hearing it. I remember I would just, we had to get up at 6.30 in the morning to shoot free throws. And those were quiet days, quiet days as a college student. But when I'd get to the line with all those screaming fans in my head, it was just in that same place. Just the quiet of that 6.30 o'clock in the morning with me and my roommate just shooting free throws. I got back to that same place. It was so familiar to me because I had been there so often. I think all of us need to have some kind of a place where we've built our relationship and our fellowship with God so closely that we've allowed God to speak to us. Then when we get into the hostile environment, the peace that we have, we got back in that room. And we're not praying for God to send us something that we've never experienced alone. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. I want you to understand that peace is internal. It's internal. It's internal. Remember, I've said this before, but Jesus said that those who believe in me, streams of living water will flow from them. Those who believe in me, streams of living water will flow from them. And by this, he meant the Holy Spirit. And so the life of the believer is not going looking for where the water is. The life of a believer is letting... His water, His living water, His Holy Spirit flow from within you. 
So now my pursuit is not of wet places. My pursuit is of dry places because I've got the water that dry places need. There will be streams in the desert when I go to the desert because I've got enough water for me and for everybody else. That's what His Spirit is meant to be. It means that we go to the lonely places. We go to the places that have no hope. We go to the places that need Jesus. We're not just looking for the places that already have Jesus so we can gather together and talk about how good Jesus is. Those things are great, but there has to be a going. There has to be a sending. I joked about why we called it Seashore Church because it's hard to say. It's seashore because the seashore is the place that you receive people from foreign lands and it's the place that you send them out. There has to be a going out of this place. It's why Paul is in Turkey right now, a very dry spiritual place with a crowd that's screaming, we don't want Jesus here. But there's a peace that flows in him. And he will be a peacemaker in that place. It's already begun. Jesus told his disciples in Luke chapter 10, interesting verse. He sent them out, breathed the Holy Spirit on them, and sent them out. This was before the crucifixion. This is before Pentecost. God just said, Jesus just said, just go. I want you to preach the gospel. I want you to go out. And this is what he told them. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Now, here's what Jesus did not say, okay? Jesus didn't say, go find a place of peace. Go find, when you travel, it's going to be hard. And I already told you not to take any money, not even to take a bag. So try to find a place that's nice to you because it'll make the ministry so much better. He didn't say, try to go find some friends because you don't want to be lonely in ministry. He didn't say that. He said, find a place where there seems to be someone who promotes peace. You may not even have peace yet. At least you can promote it, right? Find a place that promotes peace and put your peace on the house. You can put your peace on your house. I look at Shar and Nick, and I walk through their neighborhood. They are putting peace on houses in their neighborhood. They have a church in their neighborhood. They just don't realize that's what it is. There is peace on households. They don't know which houses their kids are in because there's peace in every house. It didn't happen because they found the right neighborhood. It happened because they put their peace on those houses. They found a place that promoted peace and said, peace be on this place. Now, not every place is going to receive your peace. And if if they don't, it's going to come right back to you. Well, what happens if I go to promote peace and all I get is persecution? Well, just, it'll come back to you. In other words, if I'm promoting peace at someone's house and they don't want a piece of my peace, it doesn't mean that I leave without peace. It just comes right back. They sit in misery, but I leave with peace. You will be led forth in peace. I want to pray that you get led forth in peace. That there's not a striving that's happening in your heart for acceptance or affirmation or anything else except the peace of God that rules and reigns in your heart. Peace is internal. I make peace. I bring it wherever I go. 
Now, you can fake a lot of things. This may shock you. You can fake a lot of things in ministry, but you can't fake peace. I had a teammate. He's one of our walk-ons. We called him the practice player of the year. He's one of those guys in practice. It was like an MVP, like scoring on all the, the starters and all that sort of stuff. And he made the mistake of thinking that practice is just like the game. So he got in the game for the first time because he had played well enough in practice. And he's like, I'm going to go do the same thing here in this environment that I did in practice. But see, all of his motivation in practice was always to prove himself and always to, to beat the guys that are, I should be what he's doing. I'm scored on him in practice. Why? It was all this striving and striving and striving. And I remember he got in the game and his eyes were as big as saucers. And he looks at me and he goes, this is not like practice. And I said, I know. And I thought, you got to have peace. you got to be led forth in peace. He was trying to fake it with confidence. I, I've been there. I know that even preaching-wise, there's moments when I had to fake confidence because I thought, I've got to fake it till I make it. i got to stand up in front of everybody and pretend like I, I'm comfortable here and I know what I'm doing. And The interesting thing is, this was years ago, none of the people would have noticed. But I would go back and listen to my messages and I would go, man, that guy is striving. He's just striving. And everybody else is like, that message was so awesome. It was so great. What do you remember? Nothing. You can't fake peace. So I'm not asking you to pretend like you have it. I want to help you get it. It came out in my striving in ministry and in preaching. It came out in my constant need for affirmation. I would get in the car on the way home after I preached, and I'd turn right to Romy and go, what'd you think? And see, I thought part of it was my nature. To, like, I always want to constantly be improving. Is there anything I missed? Did I use the wrong scripture? Could I have said it better? Did the illustration work? Should I not have talked about basketball for 15 minutes? What, what? But really, I just needed her to go, that was really, really great. And here's three things that spoke to me about your word. It was my need for affirmation. And it revealed my lack of peace. I thought I needed her affirmation to get peace. I thought I needed the affirmation of my bosses. I needed the affirmation of my peers. If I had this, then I would have peace. I realized that no, no, no. That's not where any of that comes from. So you know what she would do me to do to me? It would frustrate me to no end. I'd say, how was that word? She'd go, I don't know. What did God say? <laughs> Thanks. It was great. Is that what you want to hear? She didn't do the head tilt. I just, that was my thing. <laughs> what did God say? And she would teach me, I can't be your source for this. Either you got the amen of heaven or you didn't. Did you say what God put in your heart? You can't fight barefoot, guys. It's the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet fitted with the readiness. You can't fight barefoot. But when I get peace, 
Now I'm ready to fight. Now I'm ready. I remember being in the locker room and just you lace up your shoes the same way I do. I'm a creature of habit every time. And there was something about putting on your shoes and tying your shoes that was like, I'm ready for battle. When I got peace, now I'm ready. It's the peace of Christ that makes me ready. So where does it come from? That's what I want to hit on here for a second. Where does the peace come from? Well, let's look at it originally. In Numbers chapter 6, this is the priestly blessing or the Aaronic blessing. It's a weird name, the Aaronic blessing. Aaron was the high priest, and God told Aaron, this is what I want you to say over the people. So he says, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Peace is a gift. God didn't say go find it. He said I, part of the blessing of God to us as his sons and daughters is peace. Peace is a gift. God gave it to us. So what happened? If we got a gift and we had it, how did we lose it? We lost it when we went our own way. When we disobeyed God and decided that we needed something other than just His peace, we lost the very peace that was given to us as a gift. Interestingly, in Isaiah chapter 48, God tells them, if you had only paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river. Your well-being like the waves of the sea. Your pe- I want peace like a river. Interesting, isn't it? Peace, river, living water, it's all the same stuff. If only you had obeyed my commands, paid attention to my commands, you would have had peace like a river. Why don't I have peace? Because of my disobedience. When I chose to live life my way, when I didn't follow God's ways, I lost my peace. But Jesus took the penalty for that disobedience on himself. When all of God's wrath was poured upon him on the cross, he paid that price and he bought my peace back with his own blood. And then he does something that, again, I don't know why Jesus did this. I would not have done this if I was him, but I'm not, and you should be grateful for that. Jesus buys our peace back and then gives it to us again. He buys our authority back and then gives it to us again. I mean, it just blows me away. Because in John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled and be not afraid. Jesus made peace with us, and then he gives it back to us. How is our peace restored? Our peace is restored, not by fighting. Our peace is restored through surrender. It's one of those weird, backwards things of the kingdom. Most things that I think I'm supposed to have in my life, I'm supposed to fight for and win. But in the kingdom, the way that you move forward is through surrender. Because when I'm fighting, I think it's all up to me. If I run a race and I win a medal, that's my medal that I earned. But it doesn't work that way in the kingdom. Because the only thing I've earned in the kingdom is death. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. The way that I get peace is by surrendering all of my disobedience by surrendering my heart, by surrendering all the ways that I have built other things into my life 
other than the things that God had for me. When I surrender those things, I get the peace that I need. So if you're lacking a little bit of peace in your life, the answer is not to go to the next conference, to go to the next church, to listen to seven more messages. The answer is to surrender the things in your heart that are keeping peace from coming in. The problem with our lack of peace is not what we don't have, it's the things in our heart that are taking up the space that was meant to be occupied by His peace. He's made peace with you. You're not His enemy. You're just maybe a son or a daughter that's walked away, that He wants back, and He'll do everything He can. He has done everything He can to get you back. Once I've surrendered and I have that peace back in my life, can I encourage you, you can have it. If you're experiencing, I want you to hear this, because I feel, I feel like God's on this right now. If you're experiencing a lack of peace, the answer is surrender. Why is it so hard? Why is surrender so hard? It's the pride of our heart that says it's all up to you. As we're celebrating Father's Day, I know it's not a great holiday for some people. Because you either didn't have a father in the home or you had a father that taught you that life was all up to you. Everything you got in your life, you got to earn for yourself. Possibly forgetting of how much they were given by their own parents. The answer to your peace is in your surrender. I have people that I'm pastoring right now that have such a lack of peace. It's driving them literally crazy. They can't sleep. They don't know how to move forward. They read their Bible and they get distracted like crazy. And they keep asking me the same question. What do I got to do? What do I have to do? It's not, not about doing. Surrender your heart to Him and you'll get His peace. Once we get it, now we've got a choice to walk in it. You know what it means to walk in it? It means I've got peace, so I want to remain in that peace. I need to walk in it. So everywhere that I do go, I'm taking His peace with me. That's what the Scripture says in Colossians chapter 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Isn't that a cool one? Let Him rule in your hearts. The Amplified Version, I like this a little better, the Amplified just kind of helps explain what some of these words mean in greater detail. Let the peace of Christ, the inner calm of one who walks daily with Him, be the controlling factor in your hearts. So what is peace? It is the inner calm of one who walks daily with Him. You want inner calm to stay with you? You've got to walk daily with Him. Not go out and perform for Him. Not go out and do great things and win millions to Jesus and memorize chapters of the Bible. All that stuff is great. Just walk with Him. Invite Him into your life. Invite Him into your day. Invite Him into your thought life. That's a scary one. If Jesus knew what I thought, I would be in... Bi oh, that's right, He does. That's right. So invite Him in. He already knows what you think anyway. Invite Him into your feelings. God, I keep wanting the wrong thing. I keep... I say no most of the time, but I still want it. Invite Him into that place. God, I, 
would you help me with my wants and my desires? Walk with them, and you'll develop an inner calm that nobody else can take away from you. I want to end with two stories here. This is kind of my journey of walking with God through this peace journey, right? I remember when we planted this church a couple years ago, there was a small group of people, kind of a pocket of people, that were really against what we were doing. I think because what God had spoken to us really threatened their model of ministry. And rather than just go, well, if God will, if God, if it's God, no one can stop it. And if it's not God, it'll fail. I would have preferred that. Does that make sense? That's not the way we would do it, but if it's God, it'll thrive, and if it's not, it'll fail. I'd have been fine with that. But instead, they spread rumors and lies and wrote letters to us and letters to other people and some really nasty things. And I remember it kind of got back to me of the lies that were being told about us. And I felt something rise up in me. And it wasn't peace. Because there's a side of me, right, that's ready to fight. Not for my own honor, but because what was happening was wrong. And I was right. I'm not always right, but in this instance, I knew that I was. And I felt this thing rising up. All right, you want to go this direction? You've chosen this way, and don't start a war you can't win, but I'm ready to go. Like inter- I felt this thing rising up. And it was like, you ever have that, guys, maybe girls do too, I don't know, I'm not a girl, I can't understand it, but that feeling, and you're like, like somebody flips you off on the interstate, and you're like, I'm ready, let's go, and then I felt this little whisper to go, nah, nah, don't, don't do that, but God, I don't even need your help with this one, I got it. I don't think you understand, God. And yet I felt this whisper. And I thank God that I knew what my flesh felt like. But I knew what his voice sounded like. And that little whisper said, you're not going to do anything. Like nothing. Not answer gently. It was do nothing. I'm like, nothing? Not even an email, not even, like, nothing. Can I tell you? A lot of what we experience in our church, I believe, is because we listen to the still small voice and not the flesh that rose up in me. Sam, that was a prophetic word that you shared, and I want to highlight that a little bit, what she said, and maybe add what God was speaking to me about this. She said, God's calling you out of the grave and not to give in to your fleshly, I wrote it down, it was on my phone, not to give in to your, uh, it was complacency, but it was something about the flesh, the desires of the flesh. Not to let the desires of the flesh make you complacent. The desires of your flesh are a grave. The desires of your flesh, your human nature, are a grave. And as I felt the rising up of my flesh to respond, I can now realize it. I can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, what a beautiful little grave you've dug for yourself here. The walls are nice and straight. 
Look at that coffin. What a lovely coffin. That looks really comfortable. That's the desires of your flesh. And instead, the Spirit went, get up out of this grave. And I want you to not even respond. You will not fight this battle. That's what God told me. You know it's important to know which battles to fight and which battles to not fight? And for this one, this wasn't one to fight. You see, you're not fighting for peace. I thought, God, let me get rid of this one, and then we'll have peace. We'll have clear sailing once I deal with this. Just turn your head, look at, go help somebody in Cambodia. I got this one. Go to Africa. They need help. Well, India, whatever. We got this. And he goes, no, you're not fighting for peace. You're, you're being led forth in peace. Don't lose it. I learned a lesson that day. So a couple of months ago, we, uh, we got a letter from the health department we shared with you guys about some people that weren't really excited about sort of our approach to the current state of the state and the nation and how we do church. Similar topic, exact same spirit that says you're not allowed to do church. You're not allowed to meet this way. You're not allowed to worship this way. Same spirit, different topic. Do you understand that? Same spirit. Would you agree? Right? that tries to say, you can't do what God's told you to do. That's essentially what the Spirit is. And then, I, it was a little bit less this time, but I'm like, I'm going to win this one too, God! And yet, I just felt God go, do nothing. This is not your fight. They weren't happy because we didn't force everybody to wear masks. God goes, this isn't your fight. But God, this could be an example to every other church in the nation. I'll go to jail. I'm re- Romy had a plan. She's like, I'll go to jail, you stay home. I was like, I don't think that's our choice, you know? But there was a peace that rose up in us. When God said, this isn't your fight, I got this. Do nothing. I threw a couple of phone calls that we had to receive and explain some things. It all just went away. And I realized there's a side of me that wanted to make a fight out of this, but it wasn't my fight to make. It might be somebody else's fight. It wasn't mine. So when it's not my fight, I just ignore it. So when somebody flips me off on the interstate and cuts me off, And my flesh used to want to chase them down and explain to them, just explain, at the next stoplight. It's not my fight. Peace be with you. No? All right, I'll come back to me then. Peace be with you. No? Cool. Peace be with you. Yes? You want it? You welcome it? Come on, we're going to do life together. This is going to be great. My peace I leave you. I give not as the world gives. So don't let your hearts be troubled. You know, Jesus gave you that peace so that you can continue to give it. And he loves us very much. We'll do it next week. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have blessed us in the heavenly realms with 
all spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus. And we are seated in heavenly realms, seated with Christ, which means we have access to everything that we need to do what you've called us to do. And I I speak and I pray your peace over this place this morning. Let the peace of Christ rule and reign in your heart. And I'm going to ask that if there's anything in this message, or even as I'm praying now, that God has highlighted in your heart that you need to surrender to Him. Just between you and God. No one's going to make you grab a microphone and tell everybody your secret sin. But right where you're sitting, why don't you be the peacemaker this morning? Why don't you make peace with Him yourself? And just tell Him, Lord, I surrender to You. And whatever it is that's specific that He gave you, surrender that thing. Lord, I surrender my pride to You. God, I surrender an unhealthy self-sufficiency that I often have. I surrender that to You. This is my stuff. You do Your stuff. And I receive Your forgiveness. I receive Your peace your grace, and your mercy. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 He's good. He's good. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.